morning. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. I'm John Bell, uh, filling in for Todd. Uh, he and Susan and Mary are on vacation again, and so um, I'm the winner. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, we welcome you to First Baptist Church again, and I'm glad you're here, glad we are here. Uh, let's stand and sing. Wait upon the Lord. 
You can be seated, and good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us on this Labor Day weekend. And so this is a great reminder of the rest that we have in the finished work of Jesus. And so um, we celebrate that today, and we're going to celebrate it a little bit tomorrow too. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. And the one thing we would ask from you is that you would fill out the guest registration card located in the pew rack. If you can take that and just fill it out, there's a place if you want to receive our weekly newsletter or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Um, later on in our service, when we take up our offering, you just drop that in and that can be your offering this morning. We're in uh, our first week of promoting for first, uh, for first, for Serve Coffee County. This is our... Um, this is our local mission trip that we take to our community, and we have six different partner locations and over 13 opportunities for you to go and serve. And so one opportunity that's come up on us pretty quick is that we need some help tomorrow with drywall at the new building at Oakley. And so that project's going to begin at 8 a.m. and we'll go through the day. If at any point during the day you could come and serve at the Oakley Ministry Center and help put up sheetrock for drywall. I know a lot about that because I've done tons of that in my lifetime, as you can tell from me talking. But if you can help with that, we would love for you to come be a part of that uh, ministry opportunity. And uh, so we'll see you there tomorrow if you can at Oakley. With all that being said, let's take a moment to stand and greet those around us.
hearts can say never once did we ever walk alone carried by your constant grace held within your perfect peace never once no we never
but yours be done, not my strength, but yours alone, nothing else but you, oh Lord. I find everything Please bow with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you again for the ability to come to your house and to worship you. Um, Father, we want to surrender all to you today. Uh, Father, we want to hear your word. We want to um, take your word and to put it to good use in our, in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, um, in our city. Father, we just again thank you for being, for, for dying on the cross for us and um, Continue to lead God and direct us in all we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Good to worship with you today. What a privilege to sing praises to the one true King, Jesus. And good morning to you. I'm uh, sharing a series of sermons from the parables of Jesus uh, entitled, What is the Kingdom of Heaven Like? And today we come to the midpoint of this sermon series. Uh, week five of nine weeks so it's a good time let's just take a moment to review and let me share with you sort of a review of where we've been up to this point what we've learned about the kingdom of heaven from the parables of Jesus uh, overall first of all we've learned that the kingdom of heaven is wherever the king is so Jesus is the king and wherever the king rules that's where his kingdom is so at his first coming the king, Jesus, has set up his kingdom in the hearts of those who repent of their sin and put their faith in him. So if you repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, then he will take the throne of your life and he'll be king and he'll rule and your life will be his kingdom. Now, not everybody submits to Jesus, so a good portion of the world is in rebellion against him. Uh, but one day he's going to rule over all the earth. His kingdom is going to expand to rule over all the earth. So we've learned the second overall truth is that the kingdom of heaven is already here, but the kingdom of heaven is not yet here in fullness. So when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the right now, in our lives, in our hearts. The kingdom is here, but it's not yet here fully. And it'll only be at his second coming when he'll bring the kingdom in fullness. So there's, there's two aspects to the kingdom. It's already here, it's in our lives, but it's not yet here in fullness. So let me go through these first four weeks. First week, week one, we learned that the kingdom of heaven is like a party. And everyone is invited to the party. You can be in the kingdom. The doors have been thrown open wide. And if you today will 
acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you can be a part of that eternal party that begins in your life now already and one day will blossom in the kingdom of heaven. The second week we learned about the grace of the kingdom, that no one deserves to be in the kingdom. It's totally by grace. And then when we receive that grace, we extend grace to others. So the kingdom of heaven is characterized by grace. And then in week three, we learned about the cost of the kingdom. Even though the kingdom invitation is open wide and it's totally by grace, there's a cost involved. And so Jesus told us to count the cost before you can enter the kingdom. The cost involves obedience to the king. This is a serious matter. It's big business. It means when you come into the kingdom, you're going to obey the king. And what the king's book says, we'll do. How the king's spirit leads, we'll follow. The cost of the kingdom also involves opposition. You'll experience opposition from the king's enemies because there's some in, not in uh, submission to the king, and so they'll be opposed to you as they are to the king. That's the cost of the kingdom. And then last week, Jake shared with you about the life of the kingdom, that life in the kingdom involves serving the king by loving your neighbor. So the life that we're to live is a life that we're called to serve him by loving others. And of course, Serve Coffee County is a great opportunity we have this month to put that into practice. And I hope you'll uh, join with me in signing up at the, in the foyer for one of those projects this month to show our community that we serve the king and we're going to love people to show that we serve the king. Join me tomorrow as we work at Oakley. We invite you to be a part of that. Well, today, the big idea is this. We're going to talk about the value of the kingdom. And here's the key statement for today. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything else. And so the wise person invests his or her life in the kingdom. So today, what I want to invite you to think about is, what do you value? What does, do your actions and the way you spend your money and the way you spend your time, what does it say about what you really value in life? Do you value the kingdom above all else? How are you investing your life? And would you think today, as we learn about the kingdom, about shifting your investment strategy so that your life is invested in the kingdom. So, let's look at some parables that Jesus told about the value of the kingdom. First of all, we begin in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. This parable was occasioned by someone saying to Jesus, someone in the crowd, verse 13, said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So two brothers, parents had died, they were fighting over their inheritance, Nothing brings out the human sinfulness and greed like inheritance division. I've seen that many times, and maybe you have. So here's these two brothers, and they're squabbling over the inheritance, and one asks Jesus, arbitrate this dispute. And Jesus refuses to get involved. Verse 14, Jesus replied, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. And then Jesus used it as an opportunity to talk about the danger of covetousness. Verse 15, he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Early in our marriage, I would quote Luke 12, 15 to, to Cindy whenever she would leave to go to the mall or go shopping. <laughs> this is a true story. And it got to the point where I would say, she would start to go and I'd say, hey, 
She'd say, what? I'd say, remember Luke 12, 15, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It got to the point where I'd, I'd say, hey, and she said, yeah, yeah, I know, Luke 12, 15. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Well, after that, then Jesus tells this parable. Remember, a parable is a story that makes a point. So here's one of Jesus' stories, verse 16. Then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this parable is about a farmer who has a really good year. And it says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Prosperity creates a storage problem, doesn't it? Some of you have storage problems because we're so blessed in America. We got so much stuff, don't we? We don't know where we're going to store it all. And uh, so this guy said, verse 18, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. Uh, what we do, instead of building bigger barns, we rent storage facilities. There are 50,000 storage facilities in America where you can pay to store your stuff. That is more than all the McDonald's and Subways and Jack-in-the-Box restaurants combined. 50,000 locations where you can store your stuff and put it. We, we, we're just like this guy in the parable. We got so much stuff, we, we need bigger barns. And he said to himself, verse 19, I'll get these bigger barns and then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy Eat, drink, and be merry. He had a retirement plan. To us, it sounds like a good retirement plan. He's got all this stuff, and he's going to enjoy his retirement. He's going to eat and drink and be merry. We would call this guy wise. Uh, he'd be on the cover of Money Magazine. He's successful. He's got a perfect retirement plan. But in the parable, it says in verse 20, But God said to him, You fool." This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And so God's view of this man was that he was foolish. Why? Because he did not consider his own death. He had made no preparation for death. Do you ever think about your death? It is not a morbid thing to do. It's a wise thing to do according to this parable. Because you need to live your life in view of the certainty of your death. How are you living in view of your death? How are you investing your life? And this man was foolish because his investment strategy was totally self-centered. In his little soliloquy in verses 17 through 19, I count 10 times where he used in our English translation the pronoun I or myself. You see it there? He said, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. There'll be a bigger ones. I'll store my surplus. I'll say to myself, and in verse 21, the end of the parable, it says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So this man was self-centered and self-indulgent, and he was only thinking of himself. He wasn't thinking of others. And he spent all of his life upon himself. His investment strategy was of his time and his money was self-indulgent. And God said, 
but he's not rich toward me. Are you rich toward God? Look at that last verse. Does that describe you? This man was not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? Does your life reflect that you've invested in the things of God that you're rich toward him? So this man didn't consider others, he didn't consider God, and he didn't consider his own death. Are you aware of those things in your life as you value things? Is your life centered upon God and an awareness of your mortality and upon others? Let me tell you a second parable about the value of the kingdom that Jesus told. It's probably the most shocking of all Jesus' parables because it's about a dishonest guy that seems to be the hero of the story. Let me read it to you in Luke chapter 16, verse, beginning in verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man. All of these parables are about money. They're about investment. They're about what do we value most in our lives? What do our actions say about what we value most? Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So this parable is about an accountant that a rich man had that was guilty of embezzlement or mismanagement. In verse 2, so he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. So this guy's about to be fired and uh, the, his, uh, uh, his, the one who, his employer calls him in, bring your books in, give them to me, you're going to be fired as my accountant. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. He says, well, what am I going to do when I lose this job? In verse 4, he hits on an idea. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And so he hits on a strategy where he's going to take his master's books before he turns them in, and he's going to agree with them to discount what they owe his master so that after he's fired they'll be indebted to him and they'll give him a job and so it says verse 5 so he called in each of his master's debtors and he said the first how much do you owe my master 900 gallons of olive oil he replied the manager said, you're in luck. We've got a half price sale on olive oil today. We're going to cut your bill in half. And he said, the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450 that you owe. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He said, you're in luck. It's a Labor Day 20% off sale on wheat that I'm having today. And so we're going to discount your bill today. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And here's the end of the parable. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. There's the key word in the parable. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. And then it says in verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth 
to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, this is sort of a surprising parable to us because this guy was a scoundrel. He was dishonest. Is Jesus telling us we ought to be dishonest? No, he's not commending his dishonesty. He's, he's commending his shrewdness. Uh, clearly, it's wrong for us to, to steal, to embezzle, but Jesus likes to shock. You know, every good story has a little twist to it. Jesus wants to, to, to upset your apple cart here and make you think. He's saying Christians could learn from non-Christians about shrewdness, craftiness, astuteness, wisdom, smarts. And he said this guy was shrewd in the way that he uh, managed because he translated that wealth into something that would help him in the future. And he, so Jesus, in another context, used this same word shrewd. He said, be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as snakes. So we're never to be dishonest. We're to be as innocent and unoffensive as a dove, but we're to be as shrewd as snakes. So what is he talking about here? He's saying, during the time of life that you're on this earth, you're given so many days, right? So many minutes, so many hours. You're given so much income. How are you using that? If you see that the kingdom is coming, then you'll value and you will invest in the kingdom. That's the shrewd thing to do. This man translated that wealth to the future. So the shrewd thing to do, he's saying, is to take your worldly wealth and exchange it for heavenly wealth. Have you ever gone to another country and they don't use our currency, the dollar, and so you have to exchange some money ahead of time? You have to take your currency and change it into euros or whatever, the pesos or whatever the, the currency of that land is. Well, you're going to heaven. If you're a, a part of the kingdom, the kingdom's coming in fullness. And you're going to heaven, and the wise thing to do during the short days and years that you have here is to take the time that you have been given and to invest it in the kingdom, and you translate time into eternity. Take the money that you give and use it to help the poor and forward the gospel and do missions and build the church and minister to people, and you have translated earthly wealth into heavenly riches. Isn't that shrewd that you could enjoy for all eternity? So what's your investment strategy? How are you investing the time that you have? Are you being wise in the way that you do that? And some of us are like this rich man who would waste all of our time on ourselves, all of our money on ourselves, and God's going to say one day, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. But let me also say a word of encouragement to those of you who have put your lives in the kingdom of God. Maybe there's some of you that you have not done so well in worldly investments. You don't have a lot of money in the bank. You don't have a lot of retirement fund or whatever. And the world would call you not very successful. But you have given your life to serve God by helping the poor, by keeping a nursery in church, by hanging sheetrock at Oakley, by serving Coffee County, by working with teenagers, by helping your neighbor who's been homebound down the street from you. And what you have done is you have been shrewdly investing in the kingdom. And you ought to be encouraged if you ever feel like your life has been wasted or if you ever feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. 
this parable tells you, should tell you, these two parables together should tell you that there's going to be a reversal of the world's estimation of success. You get the two people in these two parables. In the first parable was this rich guy doing well, had a good retirement plan, lived on a yacht in his retirement. He was doing great. The world would say, wow, that's wise. Here in this parable is a guy who was a sinner who was losing his job but who acted shrewdly and Jesus says this is the way that you ought to live. You ought to act shrewdly with your investments and how you value. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard told a parable of his own in his writings. He told a story of a of a prankster who broke into a department store one night but he didn't steal anything he just changed all the price tags on everything that was back before the barcodes you know when you had a little paper price tag and you peel that off and put it and so he just swapped all the price tags and the next day he went and watched as people went in and, and bought expensive diamond jewelry for a dollar and paid lots of money for for costume jewelry that wasn't worth anything. And that parable is sort of how we are in our world. The devil sort of switched the price tags on us. And he's causing us to value and pour our lives into self-indulgent things that hold no real value. And Jesus is trying to reorient our sense of value to the kingdom and what's really worth something what makes something valuable? What makes something worth a lot? Could it be that we've gotten our value system sometimes sort of messed up? Do you remember Beanie Babies in the 1990s? So here's a picture from the 1990s of a feeding frenzy on a uh, Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies were stuffed toys, but people didn't buy them and let their kids play with them. Oh, no! You can't take the tag off. You can't let a kid play with it. They might get it sold. It was an investment. They're going to be worth a fortune one day. And so we stuffed them away in storage units. That's what's in those 50,000 storage locations around the country right now. It's millions of beanie, beanie babies that one day are going to be worth millions. An article in the Wall Street Journal this year entitled sorry collectors no one wants to buy your beanie babies <laughs> and it's true I, some of you are going to get mad at this sermon i know because you're holding on to them but uh, it's not what you think they will sell for it's what you can actually somebody actually pays you for them maybe beanie babies are sort of a parable of how we are about stuff We've got an idea of what's valuable and, oh, it's going to pay off for us. And couldn't it not be that all of the world's self-indulgent lifestyle that we've bought into is sort of like these beanie babies? And Jesus would orient us to a new value system in the kingdom. Share with you two more brief parables. We've seen before that Jesus likes to tell short parables in twin sets, and we come to another one of them in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like, that's what our series is about, Matthew 13, 44, that's what we're after. What's the kingdom of heaven like? Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
hidden in a field. It's of great value. It's sort of hidden. Not everybody's finding it this morning, are they? It's a treasure hidden in our world because the kingdom has come, but not everybody sees the value of the kingdom. But you found it. You're here today. Listen, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, when by the power of the Holy Spirit you find Jesus, he hid it again and went in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field because it's of great value. Again, the point is not, was this ethical to find a treasure in somebody else's field and hide it again and go buy the field? That's not the point. Jesus is deliberately using these scoundrels because you're a scoundrel too. And he, but the point is the value. And he said, it's of surpassing value. Do you see that? Do you, would you get, could we get our value system oriented right that the kingdom is of great value? Now the thing is you can't just add the kingdom onto your life. This guy had to sell all he had to buy that field. You've got to give up some things to come and put Jesus first in your life. You can't just add him on. He's got to be first. But that's not a, a sacrifice. Did you hear what this man said? Then in his joy he went and sold all he had. If you've got this idea of what I have to give up to follow Jesus, am I going to have to give up my drinking? Am I going to have to give up the stuff I like to do on Sunday? When God told me, oh, I'd come to church, I just don't want to give up. But when, you, but when you see the surpassing worth of the kingdom, it is with joy you sell all you have so that you can have it. Second parable, very similar, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. The surpassing value of the kingdom that's worth any sacrifice that you have to make, anything that you have to give up would be worth it. Because this is the big pearl. This is the, this is the, you're a pearl merchant and this is the find of a lifetime. But you've got to sell some little pearls to get the big pearl. What's Jesus calling you to sell, to let go of, to reorient in your value system so that you can have the, va the surpassing value of the kingdom? What do you value? How are you investing your life? If these words are true, what would God say to you today about how your life ought to change in what you do with your money, in what you do with your time, and your energy, and your effort? Would it not be wise to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Let's pray together. Oh God, Change us today. Change us when we have valued the beanie babies of this world so much and we do not see the emptiness of their value. And Lord, maybe there's a person here today who's struggling with following Jesus and they're, and, and they're thinking of what they'll have to give up. And oh God, I pray you just enable them to let go of everything and to find that great pearl of following you. Maybe there's somebody you're calling to serve you in some way and they've been sort of resistant.
Maybe you're calling them to missions. Maybe you're calling them to ministry. Maybe you're calling them to a place of service in this church. And, and, and they're thinking, I don't want to give up my comfort. And, and Lord, would you help them to see the value of your kingdom? And oh God, if we're self-indulgent and self-sufficient, I pray for retirees who are considering what to do with their retirement. May we not be like this man you called a fool and just spend our retirement on ourselves. But Lord, may we invest in your kingdom. God, if you're speaking to us today about the investment of our time or our money, may we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? If God's calling you today to come and follow him, will you sell all your little pearls today and come and find that pearl of great price. I want to invite you to walk forward. If you want to come become a follower of Jesus, you're willing to be baptized in his name and bow your knee to King Jesus, you could come into the kingdom. He's given us the authority to invite people into the kingdom, and the door's wide open. You'll come in repentance and faith. Maybe there's something you want to pray about. Somebody would be glad to pray with you. Maybe you need a church home. We'd welcome you to walk forward, join our church as we sing together. yours be done, not my strength, but yours alone, nothing else but you, O oh Lord. 
Thank you. Please be seated, if you will. We're going to give now our offerings as an act of worship to God. We give back to Him in gratitude to say thank you for what He's given to us. If you're a guest or you have a prayer card, you can place that guest or prayer card in the offering plate as well. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask that you open our hearts to surrender all and that you bless our Serve Coffee County projects that are coming up, that, that you plant the seeds and, and that all the, the people that are served are blessed serving you and investing in your kingdom. Bless these tithes and offerings that we do, that they follow your will. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you if you're a guest for being here. I'll be at the Welcome Center after our closing prayer. I'd love to meet you. I have a small gift for first-time guests, so it's up toward guests 
uh, parking that direction and stop by and see me. Thank you for coming today. It's a joy today to introduce coming into our church, uh, Cassandra Higgins. Would you come and stand by me for a moment, please? Welcome to Fellowship of First Baptist Church. She comes by statement of her faith in Christ and previous baptism by immersion. And we're so glad that you're here. If you'll welcome her into our church and uh, pray for her, would you lift your hand and say amen? Amen, amen indeed. Uh, I think she's been in Adam Clark's group, and uh, he's the deacon. He's in another service. Would uh, Megan or Jeremy Jernigan, would you guys come and help represent your group, stand with her, and help welcome her for just a moment? You can be seated for, for right now, and Tim's going to come and close us out. Thank you guys for doing that. Don't forget all the uh, important announcements there in your worship guide, and you have the opportunity this morning to sign up for Serve Coffee County, so that's over there by the welcome desk, so don't forget that. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for your word and the way that it challenges us, the way that it changes our lives. God, I pray uh, that we can just see the, the full value in, in life with you and, and count it as a joy to be able to serve you and, and to give to your kingdom and to prioritize you as first in our lives. God, we thank you for uh, Cassandra as she's coming and, and joining our, our church family. And Lord, I pray that you uh, just use her to, to serve you and to serve your kingdom as a part of this church. God, we thank you for your love, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet. 